You're listening to Just Another Fanboy Presents The Death of Superman, and this is episode number four, Doomsday is Near. Hello and welcome to Just Another Fanboy Presents The Death of Superman. I'm your host, my name is Steven, and uh, we didn't have an introduction this week, folks, but you know, if you want to submit an introduction that we can use as a cold opening for a future episode, all you got to do is record yourself answering this question. Where were you when Superman died? Then you just send that file over to me at justanotherfanboy at gmail.com. But make sure you include in the email how you want to be identified on the episode where the listeners can find you online, and any podcast or project that you'd like me to plug. I, of course, reserve the right to refuse any submission as I'm not about to plug a podcast or a website that's full of hate speech or really anything else that I may deem offensive. And guess what, folks? It's my podcast, so I'm the one who gets to make that call. Anyway, for more information... All you got to do is look for the Where Were You When Superman Died bonus episode right here on this feed. All right. Today we have entered week four of the Death of Superman, the big epic crossover event. And that means we're looking at Action Comics number 684. This issue hit the stands this week, 30 years ago, on November 3rd, 1992. It had a cover price of $1.25. And the title of the issue is doomsday is near. It was written by Roger Stern, penciled by Jackson Geis, inks by Dennis Rodier. The colorist was Glenn Whitmore and the letterer was Bill Oakley. Now, just like last week and the week before, I tried to make this easier on myself by going to dcfandom.com to take the synopsis they have over there to, you know, that describes what happened. In this issue. And once again, just like last week, all I got was a sentence Superman and Doomsday continue their brawl as Doomsday heads for Metropolis. And yeah, in essence, that's what happened. You you probably could just really compress this issue down into one sentence, just like that, if you really, really wanted to. But there's a bit more going on. I think there were some big moments in this issue that we definitely need to talk about. But We open up in the aftermath of the previous issue or the previous installment, which was The Adventures of Superman number 497. And that's when uh, Maxima and Superman were fighting Doomsday and a gas main or the the gas well at at a gas station exploded, leaving Superman and Maxima unconscious as Doomsday just strolls off to do whatever it is Doomsday is going to do. And then, at, you know, as, as we get to that final page, the Guardian shows up and gets all judgy to Superman about, did it have to happen like this? This is how it had to happen. And uh, again, Guardian, you don't have superpowers, so why don't you just zip it? Well, we open up with Superman is now on his feet. Maxima, she's uh, starting to stir and Guardian's helping her up. We have a news report that kind of fills you in on a little bit of what happened in the previous installment. And Superman is telling Guardian that this is, of course, something that they have never faced before. This is a a power 
the likes of which they've never seen, but that he he has to go stop Doomsday. Maxima, of course, as I said, she's stirring. She's trying to get up and she wants to go fight Doomsday as well, but she's still rather out of it. And so Superman tells Guardian to get her to a hospital. And then he takes off to go find Doomsday. And as he's flying along, he's looking down at the at the landscape below him. And he's seeing this path of destruction that Doomsday has left behind him. And he compares it to the path of a tornado. And if you've ever been anywhere after a tornado hit, it, it is quite the, uh, the, the path. It, you know, it does leave. Uh, it's just this weird literal path of destruction. Uh, it's, it's, it's a very weird, odd thing to witness if you've never seen it before. We had one pass by a couple of years back and it practically followed to a certain extent, uh, the route almost that it takes, uh, for me to get from my house to my parents' house, uh, 40 minutes away. And it's just a, it was a weird thing to drive along next to and see uh, just just all the destruction that it left behind. It was a very weird thing. So it's a good, I think it's an apt description here. And I want to really quick uh, go ahead and comment on the art. As I'm looking at this panel of Superman flying over the landscape below and seeing the path of destruction, I uh, I wanted to say that I do remember when I was reading this event back in the day when it was coming out, that the creative team on this issue, Jackson Geis and uh, Dennis Rodier, the art team I wasn't a big fan of back then. And you have to remember, of course, this is this is the time when guys like Todd McFarlane and Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld and Eric Larson, they were all they all had made a very big name for themselves. Image Comics had launched by this point. And so compared to those books, this artwork seemed at the time, I'm going to turn my snoot up for a bit here, it looked rather pedestrian. However, now that I'm I'm an adult, because I would have been in my, uh, well, I would have been 20 by this point, but I was still a stupid kid. Looking at it now uh, with a bit of maturity underneath me and uh, many, many years of reading comics, I rather enjoy this art. It's Sure, I guess pedestrian. Well, that's not the word I'd use now. It, it it's it's very um it's not flashy, I'll say that, but I also don't want to say that it gets the job done because that sounds like I'm dismissing it. It it's rather good at the little things, I'll say. You know, Superman, the main characters, the the you know, the action that's going on in the foreground looks good. It it looks like a comic book is supposed to look. It's all the stuff in the background that I had to just sit here at this, you know, it, this this last time here just recently. <laughs> Not sure why I'm having a hard time spitting that out. But, um, you know, when I just read this, just looking at a lot of these backgrounds, I was really quite mesmerized because there's just a lot going on. And this one panel, again, of, of Superman flying and seeing the path of destruction below him, it's just so well done. And I, you didn't see that a lot in image comics back then. You just didn't. And, um, it's the kind of thing that I think really separates artists for me. Um, there's books that you read because, you know, they just look so gosh darn good that you, you know, you can't help but read it. The story is all right, but gosh darn it that look how great Superman looks. This is one of these issues that not only is the story good, but the art 
is handled so well that everything about it is just fun to look at because there's just so much going on. And the destruction that they show throughout this, again, I apologize. The, the destruction that they show throughout this issue is just so well done. And um, it's just one of those things that I didn't appreciate as much back in my 20s. And I can certainly appreciate it for what it is now. And um, I rather enjoy it. So again, as Superman is is following along, trying to find Doomsday, it's, it's, it's not hard because again, path of destruction. We see a bit of Doomsday destroying stuff. And he knocks down an overpass and a car shooting down the highway toward this bit of rubble that used to be a bridge and overpass is coming toward Doomsday and Doomsday just picks the car up and throws it into the air. Now, as this is happening, again, we're getting some um, narration or or thoughts from Superman. Uh, he hasn't quite reached this point in Doomsday's path yet, but he is talking about the destruction that Doomsday has left behind and how to him, Doomsday feels like a very single-minded entity and that at one point he says there's no discernible patterns to his movements and that he just seems to wander from place to place attacking whatever catches his eye. Now, I wanted to pause here and talk about this moment where Doomsday throws this guy in his car into the air because even at the time that I read this for the first time back in, in 92, this moment stood out for me because the guy driving the car goes through the series of emotions, both in his head and out loud. And I would like to offer you, the listener, something special today, and that is a dramatic reenactment of what is going through this guy's head as he encounters Doomsday and as his car is being thrown into the sky. Here we go. My God, the overpass has collapsed. What's coming out? No, can't stop in time. I'm going to hit him. Huh? He? What? How did he? Oh, my God, I don't believe this. I'm flying. This can't be happening. I must be dreaming. That's it. I've dozed off at the wheel. Got to wake up before I have an accident. Wake up, Charlie. Wow, must be nearly a mile up. Everything looks so pretty from up here. So real. What is the matter with me? Wake up already. Feels, Feels like, like we're, we're slowing, slowing down. down. Oh, my, oh my God, God this, this car's, car's tipping backwards. backwards. This, this is no is dream. dream. I'm, I'm going to die. die. And it is at this point that Superman catches the car as it is hurtling back down. And uh, yeah, just I just love that moment. I mean, it, it really consists of ultimately three panels. And uh, for some reason, that that point in the story, this guy just just cracked me up for some reason. But Superman saves him and he asks the guy while he's he's flying along holding the car if he can tell him if this guy can tell him Superman anything about what he has seen from Doomsday. And the guy mentions that uh, it must have been Doomsday that collapsed the overpass and Superman looks down. And again, to uh, point out the artwork, we get this just wonderful looking panel through it's it's from superman's point of view looking down at the rubble of this overpass through his telescopic vision and again it's done so well it's 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 such a nice panel and i i 
it just reminds me that whoever I was back then in 92, I, I don't really know that guy anymore because I don't understand how I could have read this book, this issue back then, and how I, I just could have been so dismissive of the art. I mean, I get it. Again, you compare this stuff to to Todd McFarlane and Rob Liefeld and Jim Lee, and, and uh, it says something that as in love as I was with the art from those three guys back then, and as dismissive as I was to this art back then, and how um, when it comes to guys like McFarlane and Lee and Liefeld, um, while I can still read their books and appreciate their art and enjoy it, it's it's not the love affair that it used to be back then, and 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 how I can appreciate stuff like this a whole lot more. But back to the issue. As Superman's up there in the air and he's, he's he's looking at this overpass, he notices something else. He he sees Doomsday go into a Lexmart and we see the the parking lot of the Lexmart which is just it looks like it it literally looks like a few bombs have gone off. It it looks like a, a worn a war-torn region, you know, that that something really bad happened. There's smashed cars. There's rubble all over the place. People are, are running and in terror. And, and, uh, we get to a moment here that at the time when I read it, I found it incredibly ridiculous. And I find myself reading it today also feeling that it's incredibly ridiculous. Basically, Doomsday is inside this Lexmart, which is basically a Walmart, DC version of a Walmart. And as he's just walking through the store, destroying things, something distracts him. Something causes him to stop and turn and look. And it's a voice from a television. And it is a commercial for a wrestling match called War Bash 9000 that's happening at the Metropolis Arena. And it causes Doomsday to stop and stand in front of this big giant TV. It's it's not the widescreen TVs that we see today. It's one of these big floor models, these big giant big screen TVs is what they would have called them back then. It's it's as tall as Doomsday is is tall. It's a big TV. And uh, Doomsday stops and he watches this commercial. He's enamored with it. And this is the moment in the story that they choose or, or this is the, the the method that they choose to get Doomsday to go to Metropolis. Now, the reason why I'm not a big fan of this is because based on the previous issue, a news report, it was either the previous issue or the issue before the, the whatever installment that was, the, the, a news reporter was ultimately saying that the path of destruction that Doomsday was taking uh, would send him to Metropolis. That's, that's the direction he was going. Now, Superman does make it clear in this issue that there is no pattern to where Doomsday seems to be going. He just seems to, if he sees something that he wants to destroy, that's that's what he's going to do. And that, I, I mean, again, we are the fourth week into this event. This is the fifth issue, ultimately, because we had two issues in the second week. But it seemed to have been established up to this point that Doomsday ultimately was walking in a straight line, that he was just moving forward and anything that was in his path, he was going to destroy just simply because it was in his path. And they seem to have changed that just a bit in this issue because Superman starts talking about how there, there's no pattern 
to his path and that he, you know, it sounds like it's just this erratic path that he's walking, that he'll walk, he'll go straight for a while and something to his left makes him want to, he sees something he wants to destroy. So he turns left and he goes that way. And then he, then he sees something to the West and he goes West and then he sees something to the South. And, and that, that hadn't, you know, that, that, that's a change to, to, what Doomsday was doing is as far as I'm concerned, you know, Doomsday was walking in a straight line through New York, I think through Ohio, and he was already heading toward Metropolis. And then they make it a point in this issue to tell us that his path is erratic. He's going all with all, all over the place, every which way, whatever seems to uh, pique his interest. That's the direction he goes. And so it's at that point that it's almost like they said, well, now, but we, we have to give him a reason to go to Metropolis. It's it, you know, we, we established that he was already heading there, but now we, now we changed that to say that he could be going anywhere. So now we got to flip it back around and give him a reason to go to Metropolis. And the reason is because this wrestling match, uh, apparently excites him. The, the, the idea of, I guess, this fighting makes him wants to go to Metropolis. And the the reason why I think it's slightly ridiculous is because let me, let me, uh, again, I'll give you a, a dramatic reenactment of what we hear from the TV. Hey, you. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Come closer. You don't want to miss a single moment of the greatest spectacles in the history of professional wrestling. I'm talking tag teams. I'm talking steel cages. I'm talking knockdown, drag out grudge matches. I'm talking about War Bash 9000 this weekend at the Metropolis Arena. I'm Major Mayhem Troopers, and I'm out for blood. I'm taking on the Mighty Gorilla, Ugly Ben Studley, and the Masked Bone Crusher. And I will prevail. This time, it's war. Pro wrestling as you've never seen it before this weekend at Metropolis Arena. Metropolis Arena. Metropolis Arena. Now, where are you going to go? And it's at that point <laughs> that Doomsday speaks. It's a, it's a monster language. <laughs> you know, it's very Frankenstein-like. But he goes, Metropolis. And, uh... I don't know. It's again, when he notices, you know, the, he, he's he he's walking through the store and he's going Grar! and then he hears the voice. Hey, you. And he goes Ur! and turns his head and he's watching the commercial and he goes. Uh? And that's, you know, Metropolis. And then he, I guess, is planning on going to Metropolis. But it's at that point that Superman arrives in the store and they fight some more they're beating each other up pretty good and they they fly out of the store they're in the parking lot lois and jimmy arrive on the scene they're in one of the uh daily planets uh helicopters jimmy is of course taking pictures and lois is uh dictating into a like a, a recording device there's also a news like a like a tv news copter there for wlex because lex luther owns everything in the dc universe and we cut from there to Lex's penthouse apartment where he is hanging out with Supergirl. And again, remember, Supergirl and Lex Luthor at this point are an item. Lex Luthor, uh, this is actually Lex Luthor II. If you remember from episode zero, Lex Luthor died from cancer, uh, radiation poisoning coming from the kryptonite ring that he would wear to keep Superman at bay. But rather, you know, though his body died, his mind was transferred into a clone version of himself, a younger, more athletic looking 
Lex Luthor with long, flowing red hair, a uh, uh, red beard with no mustache. Um, apparently, they could see into the future and decided to make Lex look like a young, more attractive version of me. And he's Australian because the story is, is that he is uh, Lex's long lost son who was raised in Australia. And so in this episode, he he says a lot of stuff that that would lead you to believe that he's Australian. Uh, for example, when he's telling Supergirl, as as this scene opens up, he's telling Supergirl that he has dispatched a camera crew to the area to get to the bottom of this doomsday nonsense. And in his head, he's he's basically saying because he doesn't want her to go chasing off after doomsday. He wants her there. And she tells him that uh, the the news crew is already there. She's she's actually watching footage right now of Superman and Doomsday destroying one of uh, Lex's shopping centers, his shopping marts. And and Lex says, what? Bloody hell. And then a little bit later, he refers to Doomsday as some ugly drongo. I'm not, I'm not going to try to do the Australian accent. I don't I don't do it very well. Um, basically, we get a bit here where um, they're making it clear to us that. Lex does not want Supergirl to go. For those of us who are reading the story, for example, and wondering, all right, so the Justice League was there and Doomsday took all of them out. Uh, Blue Beetle's in a coma. Booster Gold, Guy Gardner, they're they're almost just as bad. You know, why isn't anybody else helping? What about Supergirl? She's a big part of this, these books. This is this is to tell us again to to kind of hammer home why Supergirl's not there. So we go back to Superman and doomsday fighting and their fight takes them to a highway sign that says metropolis 60 miles doomsday turns and looks at the sign he's laughing by the way when when doomsday fights he laughs a lot and in fact um there's a number of times that they've mentioned so far that despite the number of hours into this fight that we are at this point, you know, because we are a couple of hours in at this point, you know, he is, he has basically, um, beaten his way out of some metal box underground. He has fought the justice league and has taken them out. He's been fighting Superman for a couple of hours. And in the meantime, he's been destroying all kinds of stuff. He seems to be, well, he's not slowing down. And, and in fact, he seems to be getting more and more um, energetic. It seems to be empowering him almost. And the more he fights, the happier he seems to get. And so as they're fighting and he's laughing, ha ha, he, his head turns and he sees the sign for Metropolis. He goes, and he actually goes, ha ha, huh? Metropolis, Metropolis, Warbash, which is a monster speak, I guess, for Warbash. Superman, of course, notices this and he is thinking to himself, oh, no, he remembers that stupid commercial. He's making a connection. 60 miles might as well be 60 paces to this monster. I can't let him get any closer. I can't. And so during the commercial, you did see when the guy, when the announcer was saying Metropolis, you did see the word Metropolis on the screen. So Doomsday is apparently intelligent enough to see the pattern of those letters and see them again on this sign and make that connection. And also know that obviously this sign is telling him that he is going in the direction of this wonderful fighting spectacle with many 
glorious warriors that he must be a part of. Uh, and, and of course, Superman notices this and panic mode really sets in. And we get a moment here from the helicopter with Jimmy and Lois, where Jimmy says, geez, Superman must have gotten a second wind or something. I've never seen him fight so hard. So Superman is really now at this point, he is really bearing down and putting in not 100% at this point. Um, I think it's established a little later that he he hasn't quite hit 100%. He's still slightly holding back because that's who Superman is. He He's not out to kill. And so he always holds back to a certain extent because um, as powerful as Superman is, he always assumes that he is um, a little more powerful than even, you know, the most powerful individuals he goes up against. And he knows that if he really cuts loose, he could probably kill whoever he's going up against. And so while he has redoubled his efforts, he's not quite really opened up yet. He's really not, you know, he's, he's still holding a little something back because of that. Uh, but he, uh, he hammers on doomsday for a while and then just pitches him off into the distance away from metropolis and Doomsday goes sailing through the air and he lands uh, in in a, a hilly area amongst some mountainous hills. And we learn that underneath those hills is the Cadmus Project. We, we've talked about them a little bit, and I'm sure we'll talk about Cadmus a lot more as we continue because um, Cadmus is kind of a big part of Superman's world at this point and is kind of a big part of this storyline. But in essence, according to DCFandom.com. Project Cadmus is a genetic engineering project, and they are uh, largely involved in cloning. And uh, cloning uh, becomes kind of a big part in this storyline as well. Uh, but again, I'm sure we'll talk about Cadmus more as we continue on with this story. But Cadmus is, of course, where uh, Guardian came from. He's kind of the uh, the head of security for Cadmus. And there's a, a guy there called Westfield, old dude, who is very upset that uh, Guardian's no longer there. Uh, they're deep underground and the fighting that's going on above them, basically it's 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 as if they, they, they assume that there's a, an earthquake going on. There's a couple of other guys there. And Westfield says, you know, and one of them says that it's got to be an earthquake. Westfield says that that's impossible. Um, this is one of the most geophysically stable regions on the continent. And he wonders, as he's upset that Guardian's not there, if the stories that he's been seeing on TV about this whole monster thing, which would be Doomsday, if that has anything to do with what's going on above them. Uh, we get back to Superman and Doomsday fighting. Doomsday uh, is about to pull himself up. He's He's landed basically in these hills above Cadmus. And uh, he's in a big crater surrounded by rocks that have fallen in on him. And he's starting to pull himself free as Superman shows up and just keeps laying it on. He just, he does not want to give Doomsday a moment to to catch his breath or or to even think. And he's just, he's just wailing on him. I mean, they're just going at it at this point. And they end up in the middle of something on the surface that is part of Cadmus. It's called uh, Habitat. And it's a, uh, according to the editor's note here, it's a, a tree city um, that was grown by creations of the Cadmus project. And it it is, uh, it looks like a big bunch of, of columns and 
living spaces made out of wood, but like the trunks of trees, basically. And well, Doomsday and Superman commence to tearing habitat down as they they fight. And the one thing I think we really need to take out of this issue is that it's at this point that Superman begins to get tired. Doomsday does not seem to be slowing down at all. But Superman, who at this point is just going, again, not full force, he's still holding a little bit back. He's, he's, but he's still just, he's not letting down and it's starting to affect him. He's starting to get tired and he notices that Doomsday does not seem to be weakening at all. And so Superman grabs one of these, uh, like, uh, these support beams, these support columns from Habitat, which, uh, he says, even though they're they're organic, they're hard as tempered steel, and he uh, slams it into Doomsday, and and the entire habitat then comes collapsing in on itself and on top of them, um, and it buries Doomsday. Superman's on top, and he's just kind of laying there trying to catch his breath. He's he's a bit dazed. Guardian shows up, and Superman is f- so fatigued at this point that. He can't even use his x-ray vision to locate Doomsday underneath the rubble. He, he, he can't focus. Even, even his, his eyes are tired. And he really needs a moment to catch his breath. And that's when Doomsday comes exploding out of the ground, out of this rubble, and just seems to be even more energized at this point. And when he does this, uh, he knocks Superman and Guardian aside. They are both uh, somewhat buried by this rubble. Doomsday looks around. He doesn't see anybody and says Metropolis and goes leaping off in the direction of Metropolis. And as the issue is ending, we get first we get the, the second to the last page of Doomsday is leaping off. We see, um, well, all we see of Superman is his hand coming out of uh, the ground and a bit of torn cape. And we see Guardian next to him, who's also uh, somewhat buried under the rubble. And Westfield is trying to get Guardian on the radio. Actually, no, I'm sorry. It's uh, Dr. Rodriguez uh, from security. He's trying to get Guardian on the radio. He says that uh, uh, scanning radar has confirmed that uh, a launch of an object from the area, somewhat larger than a man, that would be doomsday leaping off, but uh, neither Superman nor Guardian are able to respond because they're both, they're both out. They're out. They're unconscious. They're, they're, they're sleeping. And uh, Doomsday is left to uh, head off to Metropolis. And our last page is three panels. And I should mention, because I haven't, I, I brought this up, I think, in when we talked about the first issue in the event, Superman, Man of Steel, number 18, um, about how as these issues go further, uh, from Man of Steel 18 to Superman 75, which will be the issue in which Superman dies, the number of panels per page keep reducing. Uh, so for example, in this issue that we're looking at this week, week number four, three panels per page. That's all we got. And that means that our next issue that we'll talk about next week is only going to have two panels per page. And then we get to Superman 75, which is all splash pages. And that, that was, designed on purpose. It's supposed to uh, amp up the energy um, and make it uh, a bit more uh, epic and and almost um, cinematic as the, the panels 
you know, get bigger and bigger and fewer and fewer each issue. But the, the, the final page in this issue is the, the three panels. The first one is showing, uh, another highway sign that says Metropolis 50 miles. We get the, the voiceover of Dr. Uh, Rodriguez. Actually, I, good Lord. <clears throat> it's not Dr. Rodriguez. Looking back at it again, it's actually security. Uh, they couldn't get a hold of Guardian. So now he's the, whoever the security person is, is, is talking to Dr. Rodriguez. Uh, so we still get their voiceover saying that this, the, this, this thing that's a little over a uh, man size that has launched from that area is headed south, southeast at approximately half the speed of sound. Um, it's heading for Metropolis and they are the, this, they're, the person on the radio is asking to be patched through to Metropolis Civil Defense Command because those people need to be warned. Um, the, the second panel is Doomsday landing from his leap and then taking off again uh, in doing so, destroying the Metropolis 50 miles sign. And then the final panel is we see the, the destroyed sign. We see Metropolis in the distance. We see Doomsday falling toward Metropolis. And the person on the radio is saying, we have to warn those poor people, Doomsday is coming. That's how the issue ends. Again, despite the whole wrestling thing, I mean, I get it. I understand. I guess, uh, you know, I, I, they must have felt at some point that they needed more of a reason for Doomsday to go to Metropolis. I mean, the, the, the whole point of uh, what they're trying to get to is Superman, you know, wow, of course, he has a reason to want to stop Doomsday. They need something more than just Superman needs to stop the bad guy. They need to make it personal for Superman. So, of course, they need to bring Doomsday to Metropolis. And I guess they decided that the idea that he was just kind of already heading in that direction anyway, uh, and that eventually he would cross paths, you know, that, 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 that the path he was taking would just happen to take him to Metropolis in the way uh, Tokyo is always getting in the way of Godzilla. Um, I guess they decided that that just wasn't enough. They needed more of a concrete reason to, to make, to almost force Doomsday to go to Metropolis, to be obsessed with going to Metropolis. And they took what in today's society or society in, in 92 uh, would be the equivalent of a, a gladiatory, gladiatory, gladiatorial games which would be a wrestling match, pro wrestling. It's loud, it's bombastic, it's colorful, it's, it's, it's explosive. You know, I get it. There's just a, a bit of uh, the ridiculousness sense to it to me that just kind of has me shaking my head and laughing. Uh, but again, I understand. I, I, I get it. I just, there, there's, there's a small part of me that would have almost enjoyed it better had metropolis just been in doomsday's path because again they kind of already set up that doomsday was just going wherever he was going he's just a force of nature he's 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 heading to wherever he's going he doesn't even know he's going he, where he's going he just knows that he needs to move forward and anything that's in his way he's going to destroy he doesn't walk around trees he doesn't walk around mountains he just he destroys them or jumps over them and Metropolis just happens to be in his path. And so he's going to destroy Metropolis as, as he heads through. But, um, again, they, they must have decided that no, they needed a, a better reason for him to go to Metropolis. And, and, uh, 
I don't agree with that. I rather like the idea of, of just it being coincidence that Metropolis happened to be in his path. But uh, you know what? Hindsight's twenty twenty, right? I wasn't on that writing team, so there's really not anything I can do about a story 30 years later, right? But uh, while I joked in the beginning of this episode that uh, DCFandom.com, whoever wrote the synopsis for this issue, just you know summed it up in one sentence, Superman and Doomsday continue their brawl as Doomsday heads for Metropolis. Well, yeah, that's true. This is, uh, this is you know, a couple of big things happen in this book. Well, I mean, one big thing, really, it's that we, A, we know that, of course, Doomsday's going to Metropolis. B, Superman uh, does not want that to happen. And he has at least tried to uh, stop Doomsday uh, from going to Metropolis. And in doing so, he he redoubled his efforts. He got even more uh, vicious and and went at Doomsday more than he had been doing previously. But the big thing that we pull out of this issue is that Superman's getting tired and Doomsday is not. Superman is, uh, as I said, so fatigued that he can't even focus his eyes enough to use his x-ray vision. And so, uh, yeah, that's where, you know, Superman at this point, he's unconscious and buried underneath the rubble of habitat as Doomsday is leaping into Metropolis, the, the one place Superman did not want him to go. And there you have it. And that's how the issue ends. Really looking forward to, to getting into that, into that uh, next issue um, and then recording my thoughts on it. But until then, let me go ahead and wrap this up and uh, just tell everybody that I want to thank you all for listening to today's episode of Just Another Fanboy Presents. If you want to drop me a line, you know, ask me a question, provide a bit of feedback or just tell me how many pennies you have in your pocket right now. You can email me at justanotherfanboy at gmail.com or you can use the Just Another Fanboy voice line at 785-318-6673. And you can use that number to leave a voicemail or even send me a text. Just make sure that if you're sending me a text, let me know who you are. You know, with an email, I got your email address and I might be able to deduce who you are. I mean, you should, you should probably tell me who you are in an email, but it's more important in the text because all I got from the text is your number. So far, everybody who has texted me has been really good about letting me know who they are. So I appreciate it. Um, you can also reach out to me on Twitter by using the handle at Stephen or else or join in on all the fun over at the message boards by going to forum.justanotherfanboy.com. And if you feel inclined to throw a little support my way, because, you know, podcasting ain't free, you can join the Patreon for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash Stephen R. And in return, I'm going to do my very best to get you podcast episodes just like this one before anybody else gets them. And of course, I mean anybody else but you and your fellow patrons. I also invite you to subscribe to the Stephen Says Stuff newsletter. That's a uh, free Substack where I'm going to send you every podcast episode I create each and every week right to your inbox the morning that that episode is released. Beyond all that, I would certainly love it if you rated and reviewed this show if, of course, that option is available wherever you get your podcasts. All of the links, the email address, and the phone number will, of course, be listed in your show notes. So join me back here next week for week five of The Death of Superman, where I'm going to be talking about Superman, The Man of Steel, issue number 19, where I assume Superman's going to keep on trying to stop Doomsday. Bye. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.